Hey y'all, I'm Maddie, author, speaker, and certified sommelier. I think we can all agree that life can get pretty tough at times. So I'm going on a journey to uncover how some of my favorite people are chasing joy in their lives. And I'm bringing you along with me. Through personal stories and funny encounters, I'm chatting with authors and entrepreneurs, musicians and brands to learn how they hang on to the good in life, even as the trouble comes. Because as life gets hard, joy is a choice we can make together. I'm Maddie, and this is the Enjoy Life Podcast. Hello, Enjoy Life fam. This week's guest is Laura Williams, and she is a licensed professional counselor and the co-founder of her own practice, Be Found Counseling, here in Nashville, which specializes in developmental and relational trauma therapy. I learned all about what that means, and you will too. She also hosts her own podcast, Encountering You, if you love her and want to get more of her insight there. Her whole goal as a counselor, as a podcast host, as a writer, is to help her people heal wounds that keep them from themselves. I thought that was such a wonderful and profound way to describe the work that that counseling is. That's sort of the point, is, is to heal wounds that keep us from being our true authentic selves and living well in that place. And so we talk a lot about trauma because that is her specialization. And she simply defines trauma as a place where we're wounded from a need that wasn't met. And and a lot of those things are very, you know, straightforward, something like I've gone through a devastating loss, a death that is a trauma. But she says that we all have developmental and relational traumas that really can hinder our ability to be healthy and function well, and here's the kicker, live in joy as adults. So we talk a lot about what that looks like. She uh, shares about a process. She does a lot with adults called reparenting, which is really fascinating, and it's not about parenting your kids. It's about reparenting the little kid in you. It's really cool. And then we kind of run through three sort of scenarios. I kind of come to her as a faux client in three different situations where I feel like I'm lacking joy. And one is is in a state of real grief and loss and sadness. One is in, in a season of success where like maybe your life looks awesome on paper, but you just can't enjoy it. You're not feeling happy about the things you thought would would bring you happiness. And then the third is when you're just living in like a groundhog day is what I called it. This is you moms with little kids at home. It's it's you amazing people who are caring for elderly parents or somebody who's grinding away at this job that you feel like you can't leave. And and just how do you find joy in the mundane? So that's sort of the, the high level stuff that we hit on. But man, she's so full of wisdom and encouragement and just such a, a woman of faith and honestly just so fun. You know, I, I you don't always equate counseling and humor and laughter, but man, we laugh through this whole thing. So I hope you listen through every section, even if not every conversation is directly where you're at right now, because she is so full of, of wisdom and direction and really practical ways of what does it look like to seek joy from someone who specializes in psychology and behavioral science and trauma. So she's the best. I know you're going to love her. So y'all check out the episode with Laura Williams. Laura, welcome to the Enjoy Life show. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you. We have a personal connection who basically sounds like told us both this is a fit that needs to happen. So I'm so grateful to have you here. I know. I'm really excited to be here. This is awesome. I can't wait for all my people to get to know you, for me to get to know you better beyond. I've been listening to your podcast, Encountering You. You specialize in trauma. Is that correct? We'll talk all about that. Yep. And you have your own practice here just south of Nashville called Be Found Counseling. Yes. So you keep your hands full. Yes. <laughs> I got I've got a lot of different projects going on and it's all really fun and it just speaking of joy, it brings me a lot of joy to know that people are getting more access to mental health oh, and absolutely, it's just yes. a really 
obviously a big passion of mine. So, well, I'm so glad to have you. And in addition, you have what, three boys, three right? boys. Yes. And part of that I read in your bio is that y'all are baseball fans. Oh yes. So, you know, when I say walkout song, oh yeah, what would be your walkout oh, song for life? I can't tell you how excited I was about this. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a really fun way to start the show. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I is so a funny story. Side note, every season, my boys, like once they get into varsity baseball, they get to pick their walk-up song. Yeah. And in the past, like I'm always like, oh, you should pick this song because this is so representative of this. And they're like, mom, <laughs> ugh, if it's not a rap song, like right. it doesn't, it doesn't mean the same thing. And I'm like, fine. So then when I got your email, I was like, I get to pick my own walk-up <laughs> song. This is like the most amazing thing. And of course, then I'm like all in my head. I'm like, oh my yeah. God, what's the perfect yeah. song? But anyway. You've been preparing for this. Oh. For for 15 years. I have 20 been, years. I literally have been preparing <laughs> for so long. And of course, when I heard about it, I'm like, oh my gosh. Then I'm like overthinking everything. Oh, like, totally. I'm like, this is just a question. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> anyway, so here's my walk-up song. And this is going to be a little cliche. But starting, up, I guess, about maybe two years ago, I really... I spend a lot of time in my car, mm-hmm. driving from work, driving to kid pickup, driving wherever. So I listen to a lot of Christian music because it just is what I do to decompress. Yeah. It's how I relate. Like it's the moments I get alone with God. And so I was looking through it. One of the songs came up and I was like, oh my gosh, like it's just in my nervous system. I can feel it. It's like so empowering. But it's um, by Skillet. Which is not really, a, it's like the rock Christian <laughs> yeah, band. Yeah, I love that. But it's the song Lions. And I'll have to go back and listen to that one. It is like, I feel like at this point in my life, it's just one of those songs that just reminds me. Like, it's like, you know, if you're going to soar, like, soar like eagles. If you're going to yeah. stand, stand like giants. And if you're going to walk, walk like lions. Oh, I love that. And I it's chills. Just, yes, I know. And it's just about realizing like, the battle's already won. Like we know the answer. We know what's coming. And so we can rely on that and everything else. Like I feel like that's how I've lived my life, especially in the last probably four to five years is whatever he's putting in front of me, he's already equipped me. Yeah. He's already moving in that direction. I just have to own Mm -hmm. my authority, I guess, as as one of his children that I get to just walk. I love that. And you yeah. can. You can leave it all on the field because yes. we know the final score. Like, yes. You can. Yes, That's exactly. That's amazing. It's yeah. the best game you could ever participate in. <laughs> <laughs> right? I love that. Okay, I'm going to look that one up and maybe like oh, listen good. to it on my my workout later. Yes. It's yeah. kind of like an anthem too. It's got yeah. that really good beat. Oh, it's so good. I yeah, love you'll that. love it. Okay, Lions by yes. Skillet. By Skillet. I know. like a Christian man. I love it. Okay, great answer. Yes. Great answer for that. Baseball mom <laughs> yep. is evident. You got to have a little bit of like pomp and circumstance and then you got to have the words that are like, yes. Yeah, to back it up. Okay. So tell us like kind of from the beginning, why are you a therapist? I feel like there's always a personal sort of catalyst for people who end up in this space. Yeah. I guess, you know, first when I was in college, undergrad, I started off as a biology major, played volleyball, and it was just one of those things where I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to be a professional volleyball player, so I'm going to go to biology. And then I went to biology. I'm like, I can't, I can't even pass chemistry. Like this (laughs) is terrible. So English major. I get it. I don't, (laughs) I don't do science. Right. (laughs) So honestly, I happened upon psychology just because I knew somebody else that was in the psychology program. And they're like, you know, this is really cool, blah, blah, blah. And so, sorry, I shouldn't say blah, 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 but whatever. Um, (laughs) You're in college, blah, 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 blah. blah. (laughs) And so I started off as a psychology major and then graduated with that, came out of that, got married, realized there is not much you can do with a psychology degree that doesn't pay you more than $15 mm-hmm, an hour. Mm-hmm. So after I realized that, I'm like, well, I guess I have to go back and get my master's degree, which I did that. And then in my master's degree, I got pregnant with our first child. When we were kind of navigating that, after I got my master's, we just decided, hey, we're going to pause right now. And I regretted that for so long. But now that I'm in my 40s, I'm like, that was probably the best decision ever because I probably would have done a lot of harm mm, to a lot of people Wow, yeah. had I gone straight into the counseling world. Because at that point in my life, I had no idea what trauma was. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. I was like a reality therapist, meaning like, <laughs> if you just will yourself to be better, yeah, you will. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Perfect. Yeah. God had a way of humbling yeah. me into yeah, um, that actually doesn't work. Yeah. So just kind of took a lot of time, did some other things, substitute taught for a little while, worked in marketing, worked in some other industries, and then actually through my own counseling relationship here in Nashville, my counselor encouraged me and she's like, Laura, you really need to get back into this. Like, wow, you have a gift. You need to use it. God is going to use you. You just need to be available, basically. And so through a lot of just random connections and things, because I mean, here I am, I'm in my mid to late thirties and I haven't practiced in 15 years. I've done nothing in the field. So trying to get supervision Mm -hmm. after that was really kind of like somebody needs to take a chance on me, Yeah, yeah. which a mutual connection took a chance on me and I opened my own practice under her for a while. Right. And then God did his thing. That's I mean, awesome. And, and so, it's been close to a decade. How long have you yeah, been? Yeah. I've been practicing for seven years now, um, which it's crazy to yeah. think that. But it's funny because I'm like, oh my God, I've had my degree for 20 years, yeah. but um, but actively practicing for seven. Well, I love that. And I think that it's such an important example for anyone in any stage of life, particularly women. I think in mm-hmm. that sort of when you're approaching, you know, you've had your family, you've done this, and I, I, I'm not there yet, yep. but I imagine that that is such a daunting place to, oh yeah, not restart, but but make a big life pivot and just, I mean, the courage it takes to ask for those supervisors who probably could have very easily and quickly said, nah. Oh yeah, I mean, I I credit them all the time. Yeah. I mean, because had they not taken a chance on me, I would not be here today. Yeah. Had they not listened to God when when He was right. nudging them, yeah, I would not be, you know, even practicing right now, probably. Well, congratulations! I Thank just you. have heard again from a mutual friend, just such yes. high praise, and I'm excited to get to know you and know more about Be Found. Yes, and something I like very very much the way that you write like on your website and the way you speak on your podcast is about you call it healing wounds that keep us from ourselves yes and that just really struck me deeply Mm -hmm. i think that i've always before i had counseling after my husband passed away i had never been in any sort of counseling therapy really attuned to mental Mm -hmm. health i mean you're in your mid-20s you're just kind of like floating through life and i think there is there's still this assumption sometimes that like the idea of counseling is totally issue-based or like solution-driven. And mm-hmm. if I don't have a problem to fix, like, why would I go? And right. obviously that is always a focal point. Mm-hmm. Sure. And you do go in to, to resolve things and make new patterns. But I just like the way that you said, like, okay, maybe we do have an issue to work through. Maybe we mm-hmm. have a wall to break through and we'll get there. But but those things sort of are almost avenues for an even greater you know, yes. result, quote unquote, which is, is getting out of the way of knowing your own self. Like, is right. that, is that really the point? I mean, yeah. well, I mean, the way I look at it is God created you uniquely, yeah. right. And, and he armed you with whatever you needed. And then we're born into this world, right. And we have parents who even on their best day are probably not going to get it right all yeah. the time. I know even me as a mom, on my best day, I'm not going to get it right every time. So through childhood, we, you know, we veer from who we are born to be, really. Um, And that's the role of trauma, honestly, in our story. It kind of, if you can think about it, often ask clients to think about a ship, like how does a ship turn around one degree at a time? Right. And so how does trauma happen? One degree at a time. Mm, Yeah. Right. And so you can see that if we're born one way, right? And then we have had one degree of shifting our entire childhood. By the time we get to adulthood, we're kind of unrecognizable. Mm, Wow. And so part of our work is figuring out, okay, what has gotten in the way of you developing into the person God actually envisioned you to be? And so that's really kind of the base and the foundation of what we're talking about. It's like a little bit of like a archaeological dig, yes. right? It's like you're just uncovering things that over time have been covered and you don't yes. have the tools to see them and use them right. anymore. Right. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And th- and there's things too that pop up, like even you just saying, you know, your husband passed away. Like that is a major trauma yes. in your life, right? So there are things in adulthood that we go through that are so painful and so awful, Right. Yeah. But then usually some of the things that come up during that process 
are directly related to either how we were raised, our family of origin, how we experienced trauma growing up, yeah. and those types of things too. Yeah. So. I like how you're being sure to speak to the varying degrees of, of trauma. I think yes. when the natural assumption is something like a very dramatic and drastic mm-hmm. and tragic loss, like the mm-hmm. loss of a spouse, Yes, which is obviously trauma. But I think I would have been the person coming to you five years ago saying, I don't have trauma. And yes. I think most of us feel that way. Mm-hmm. And thank God, I hope most don't have a gigantic, you know, loss right. to count as trauma in their life. But how would you help maybe nudge or encourage someone to to open up to the fact mm-hmm. that, sister, you probably do. Yes. And, and like <laughs> the fear of reliving and bringing it up yep. is so much less of a risk than, than keeping it buried. Like that's sure. where really the, the journey to freedom starts. Oh, for sure. Yes. You know, what I say to people often is unless you were born in Eden, you have trauma. (laughs) Right. Right. So that would be almost everybody. Well, everybody Everybody. today. Yeah. But, you know, part of, I think two things happen. One is people know they do and they don't want to dig it up. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other piece, and this is where I specialize, is in the developmental and relational trauma, Mm -hmm. is a lot of people don't realize that they do. Yeah, real. I mean, that's kind yes. of what I'm getting at. I don't. Yes. I think if you ask me, besides obviously losing Ben, yep. Do you have childhood trauma? I'd be like, no. Yes. I lived a really great, blessed childhood, and I, I yes. don't think that that's intentionally to repress no. something. Mm-mm. But is that like how does that process even start? If I said, hey, look, I'm sure there's some skeletons way under here. Yeah. Let's start. What does that right. even look like? Because that's a that's a scary thing. No, to it's do a when scary you don't thing. Know, if you know it's going to come up, you're yes. like, yeah, I guess I should do this. But yes. that's almost a harder choice to make. Yeah. No, it is really hard because you're you're kind of floating along in a way. Unless you have something major pop up, right. you're kind of floating along, and you're like, well, I, I mean, I feel kind of off, or you know, these situations stress me out. Or a lot of people, I will say, when you have children, a lot of people start noticing their inability to be patient, or they get dysregulated really easily, or they might experience more anxiety. And as you dig, that's where it kind of pops up. But most people, you're right, like you're not, you're just kind of going along. So Mm -hmm. it is really hard. So, you know, when we, when we were talking about just how do you start that process again, you do just, the first thing is educating people Mm -hmm. on what, what is trauma and what's not trauma. Yeah. You know? And so the bigger things, you know, physical abuse, sexual abuse, people are, are really aware of those types of things. But when we're talking about emotional neglect, like when I ask a question of, well, how many heart-to-heart conversations did you have with your parents, you know? Or how did you learn about staying abstinent for sex? Or how did you do your first breakup? Who did you get advice from? Or those types of things. Mm -hmm. It makes them pause. And they're like, well, nobody. And then that starts the conversation of, okay, well, that's developmental trauma because your parents were supposed to be there along the way to help you with these things. And you can't know it by yourself. You're a teenager or you're a kid. And so they don't realize that trauma is really just a place of of wounding. So it's a place Mm. where a need wasn't met. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's a, it's a scar. It's, it's right there. And so we have to go back and look at that so you can, I mean, in theory, grow up, right? you right. know, developmentally appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. One of the uh, terms I've listened to you speak about is reparenting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so fascinating. Yes. And it, it seems to be what you're talking about right now. Yep. Can you kind of define that for us? And I'm kind of interested, like, what are some of the things that is that people have to most frequently reparent in themselves? So reparenting, first off, is... It's really, I will say it's an experiential thing. So, you know, a lot of times when when clients are reparenting themselves, they really are kind of closing their eyes and going back and seeing that little girl or seeing that little boy and helping them in the moment. So it's a little bit different than a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy where you look in the mirror and you're like, you are smart. You (laughs) are beautiful. You know, you're really telling that younger part of you what they need to hear, Mm. what they need to do. You're guiding them. You're supporting them. And so you really are your own advocate in that moment, which is really beautiful. I mean, and you're really actually entering and sort of replaying these scenes and and being the parent or the, the, you know, mentor or adult that you didn't have or that you need. Yes. That's, That's wild. 
Yes. And it's really effective. Yeah. It's much more effective than, like I said, you know, standing in the mirror and telling yourself mm-hmm. all these things. Because as an adult, you know these things, but then we get caught up in our trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, most people, when you think about post-traumatic stress disorder, we think of, you know, really obvious things, right. you know, like veterans, you know, veterans or, yeah. or even a spouse passing yeah. away or something like that. That's really significant trauma. We don't always address the fact that we have emotional places that we actually go back to. And that's where that reparenting comes up because in the moment, I mean, and you, you'll notice this as you walk around, like people say, God, he's acting like a toddler. Oh yeah. Well, they really are. Wow. Yeah. You or, never think about that. Right. The- or like, wow, that, geez, that, that's really teenage behavior. They are in their teenage oh, wow. space. And or- maybe that is where, maybe that's the place that we can kind of, even just at home, fix our eyes or try to be aware of as little flags or, you know, with a safe person, a yes. safe friend or a spouse or whatever. Yes. When they, you know, hey, if I'm in this place where I am acting like a toddler, yes. here's what I want you to tell me because yes. that's probably where I need to pause and start. <laughs> yes. Yes. I tell I tell people all the time, especially with couples, like if they notice something in their spouse or if they notice themselves getting triggered into a younger part of themselves mm-hmm. that they have like a code word or like a safe yeah, word, yeah, you know, like totally. something funny that yeah. makes them snap out of it. Exactly. Go, oh my gosh. Well, how old am I right now? Yeah, you know, like, like Pop-Tarts. Yes. Oh yes, man, Exactly. <laughs> One of my friends yeah. is watermelon. That's so good. But, but yeah. And then you said, you know, what are areas... The most common are boundaries, mm, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Because when we're doing boundaries as adults, the the only way we know how to do that is how we were protected as kids. And so if parents are not necessarily teaching us about boundaries, if they're not being protective of us in healthy ways, mm-hmm. then as adults, we really don't know how to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's one major area. Yeah, that's definitely, I feel like that's a recurring topic with my mm-hmm. my core girls all yes. the time. Because I think especially as women, and I don't know where you grew up, but you've lived here mm-hmm. for a while. Yep. Southern women, Christian women, it's yep. like the triple threat of like yes. bad boundaries. Yes. <laughs> because we do, we don't feel kind and we don't feel loving right. when we set them. And oftentimes they're not received you know, no. You no one throws you a party for setting a boundary against them. No, you know? they don't. It's a rough thing to do. So, yeah, that's hard. If the people who don't like your boundaries are the ones that benefited from you having none of them. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Right? 100%. And so it's hard. And and again, like, I wish counseling were this just super cut and dry like that. Because that, you know, even that discussion, then I'm thinking, okay, well, what was it like when you were a kid? Could you, if you said... If you had a bad day at school, were you allowed to be in a bad mood? Were you, you know, did somebody tell you, no, you got to shake, shake that off and you're not free to have your own ideas about things or whatever. There's a lot that goes on with why we don't set our boundaries, whether we don't yeah. want to disappoint people or we don't want to you know, let people down or we're afraid somebody's going to be mad. Yeah. There's so many things that prevent us from setting boundaries. And you're right. Southern women. It is yeah, a triple threat. Right. Christian Southern women. Yeah. I mean, yes. That's an uphill climb. Yeah. Every it's, time. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, a lot of, as, as we were talking about, what we talk about here is joy. And yes. I imagine um, with your work and certainly my experience with different types of counseling, yeah, I think that a lot of times the really hard work we do, at least in my case, I can speak for, it enables you to live a life a little bit more defined mm-hmm. by joy, I would yes. think would be part of that goal of rediscovering yourself and your tools. And yes. I mean, the strengths and weaknesses and wounds and everything goes into it. So mm-hmm. I want to do a sort of little like role play with okay. you. Yeah. And I will come in as, you know, three different people okay. who maybe don't feel like they're living with joy in their life. And okay. that is something that they're trying to figure out how to seek you know, for whatever different reasons. Okay. And just kind of, I think these are three camps that most of the people who might be in a season of, of whether real despair or yeah. just sort of monotony. I mean, these things that are threats to our joy. Sure. And just see what you would have to say to us yes. if we came in for a I first love session. It. I so, love it. I'm um, a little nervous. No, I honestly, I kidding. asked my, my <laughs> best friend, who's a therapist, I was like, would you be excited to do this or would you say absolutely not? And she was like, no, I think it's exciting. Yeah. And I was like, okay, great. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> thanks, Shan. But uh, <laughs> no, I'm not nervous like in a bad way. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay, like, okay, oh no, good. this is like kind of like, oh my gosh. <sighs> yeah. I should um, say nervous, excited. So the first is, I think, what we would expect in a lot of what we've talked about yeah. is someone coming in who really is 
in the middle or in the wake of a trauma, whether mm-hmm. it is a loss like I've experienced, whether you've been laid off, whether yeah. there was just a really drastic friendship breakup or just yes. the end of a season, you're grieving something. Obviously, sure. joy is not your impulse reaction no. to horrible circumstances. No. It, it never is. Mm-hmm. And um, I think of the verse all the time, like rejoice in everything. Yes. And it doesn't mean rejoice over everything. It just right. means rejoice when you can, yes. even in these broken situations. So yes. if I'm coming to you in one of those scenarios, you know, you're you're fragile and, and clouded and, mm-hmm. and depressed and yeah. sad, like just mm-hmm. sad. What kind of are some first steps that you would encourage people to try to seek even just the tiniest little yeah. lightnesses and yes. joys in their day because yes. you can't fix what's broken, right? but you can seek joy absolutely. while you're healing. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things, especially as Christians, I think, you know, I'm glad you brought that Bible verse up because it, a lot of Christians actually use that Bible verse to stay out of pain, mm-hmm. if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> one of my I friends. Have. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah, me yeah. too. Raise your hand. Big, 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 yeah. uh, <laughs> big person in that camp. But one of one of my good friends, she was going through something, and one of her friends actually said this to her, and she goes, you know what? She goes, don't build the bridge of gratitude over the shit too quickly. That is Isn't awesome. Isn't that great? Yes. yes. So the first thing I always say, sometimes I'll even say that to people, because yeah. again, it kind of like gets, yeah. it yeah. gets them out of that space for a second. Mm-hmm. And honestly, even acknowledging that it's okay to be in grief. Like mm-hmm. it is okay to be in sadness yeah. because the longer we put that off, the further we are from joy. Yeah, totally. It's right? so counterintuitive too. It is. It's like like purging. You know, yes. like when you get a sunburn yes. and they're like, take a bath in hot water. And you're right. like, that's miserable. That does not make sense. Uh, I know. <laughs> but it purges it. Yes, I mean, it does. It does. Well, I mean, it's the same principle of like when you're tired, go exercise. Right. That doesn't right. make sense yeah. either, right? I mean, and to go biblical, you know, when, when he said, when you're burned out and weary on church, come to me. Mm, and I'm thinking- right. That seems opposite. So again, when people are first coming in, I really try to join them in that space of, hey, it's okay. You don't have to be, it doesn't mean that you're not a Christian if you are in sadness right now, right? And then, you know, what we often do is I try to invite some humor into it and not in a disrespectful way. Oh, sister, I'm with you. Yes. Dark humor has healed me on days, I'll tell you. You know, it's... (laughs) It's honestly so important. And, you know, when we think of the word humor, it actually comes from way long ago. And I can't remember if it's Greek or Hebrew, but it comes from what they would add to clay pots so the clay pots don't crack. It's like humor, something or other. You could, you know, Google it or whatever. My mouth is wide open. Yes. Literally. I've never heard that. Yes. And so when we talk about humor in the, in the, talk about counseling or in grief or whatever, it really is. We have to have those moments of humor, which I would say is joy, right? So if we're laughing or we're enjoying company with somebody else, like those are our our moments of joy, which is the moisture that keeps things from totally cracking. I mean, I'm mind blown. I know. That is so cool. I know. It's really cool. It's really, really cool. And it actually makes that you know, in the metaphor, the pottery stronger, not weaker. Yes. I mean, it protects you. Absolutely. It does. I love that. Mm -hmm. And I do remember, I just didn't even know how to feel sad. Like your impulse is to resist, right? And and bow up and be strong. And you can, you can judge this on the healthy to not healthy scale, (laughs) but it was helpful to me. I, I started doing things to intentionally make myself cry because my impulse was to hold it together. And I knew on that scale of trauma, that was not going to work. Like no. cognitively, I you I understood yes. that, mm-hmm. but I just couldn't. I, I'm not right. the person to let myself break. And I started to do things and listen to songs and watch and whatever to, to when I knew I needed that yes. release. And it just is what I had to do. And, and right. it's not, it wasn't an unreal, like it was not a fabricated feeling. I just needed a no. little kickstart yes. to, to let those feelings have yes. permission to flow out. Which, you know, when you think about, again, not to make this a therapy session, but when you think about the role of trauma, that's kind of what we're talking about. Like, what in your story told you it's not okay to grieve? Mm-hmm. What in right. your story told you that it's not okay to cry and be sad? Yeah. Right? And so 
that was a great like thinking about cognitively like that's you knew to do that that's awesome yeah because a lot of times i will ask clients like what movies make you cry what commercials make you cry and settle in and actually yeah. let that happen because a lot of people come to adulthood and they experience big major traumas and they can't process it because somewhere along the line mm-hmm. you know we were taught don't cry or don't you know or rejoice in all things right, right? i mean right it, it is it is a reality of a lot of people's adult lives yeah. and how yeah to let let the sadness teach you something yes. i think yes. is, is was something new to me and yes. i guess sort of the other side of that coin i want to get your thoughts on is i think a lot of times maybe the fear is if i really let myself feel the full impact mm-hmm. of of this can i get out right like, because there's a difference in processing and feeling and getting stuck and stagnant. Sure. So I think, is that just something where we have to have little flags and triggers to know and to tell ourselves like, okay, it's time to be out of this. Yes. Because yes. that's a fear too. It stuck. is. And then I'll often say this to clients too. If you've been a person who's never done that before, like if you've never really let yourself grieve or let yourself be sad, most likely you're not going to get stuck there because your trauma won't let you. (laughs) Yeah. It's something like you can free yourself of that. You know, if you're going way far, your trauma is going to be like, red flags, red flags. But also with grief and, you know, with sadness and something like you've experienced too, you know, I say to people all the time, like you've got to dip your toe in and pull it out Mm -hmm. because we are not meant to stay in that grief that long. Yeah. Right. And so kind of going back to that clay pot, idea, we've got to pull our foot out. You know, I mean, I've clients that have lost children, lost spouses, and and that kind of grief doesn't go away. It's cyclical, right? It comes back when you least expect it. And you got to dip your toe in or your whole foot in, or sometimes you have to put your whole body in the deep end. And then you got to pull it back out again. And that's kind of the work of grief. We can't just sit in it all the time because- my gosh, that's not good for your body. It's oh not good my for your gosh, heart. your soul, anything. Yes. So we have to have these pockets of joy. We have to have these pockets of humor and laughing and time to get away from, you know, what yeah. what the t- real trauma is in order to kind of breathe. Yeah. Right? And I would argue those those quick deep dives actually, as you referenced, get you, prepare you for deeper joy. Because yes. it's just all of your emotions stretch equally you know the the more pain you allow yourself to experience and process and acknowledge man that well for joy is so much deeper Mm -hmm. too i mean that's just a miracle it's just a goodness of god oh for sure so number two is kind of the opposite okay and this is what i'm very interested in and this is the person who by all intents and purposes is crushing it like culturally has whatever it is that defines your metric of success yeah the job the family, the body, the money, like whatever. Yes. You're you're kind of on a mountaintop yep. right now. But I'm coming to you and I'm saying like, I'm happy with the optics, mm-hmm. but I'm not happy. Like I just want to yeah. enjoy the things that I thought would make me happy and I'm not. I'm anxious right. they'll fall away and I'm disappointed it didn't fulfill me as much as I thought. Like where's the joy on the mountaintop kind right. of thing. That And that to me seems even harder. It is hard. A different hard, not yeah. harder. Well, it is a different heart, and yeah. it and it goes back to that idea of where we get our value, mm, right? Yeah. And so when we're born, of course, God has told us in the Bible a million times like what we're worth, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I often say it's like a seed, right? So God plants the seed in you when you're born, and it's your parents' job to water it, mm-hmm. okay? And so if they water it with the correct nutrients and they do a great job with it, which again rarely happens no one will do perfectly my gosh so rare then we have intrinsic value right and for us it's spiritual value right Right. it's how god sees us but if we don't then we are constantly looking for our value either performance or through what other people see and so yes when we're when we're talking about something something like that yeah everything can look great on the outside but it doesn't actually do anything mm-hmm. on the inside. And I would say that's a large, I mean, I would say that's a large majority, large majority, a majority of my clients mm-hmm. is people that live here in Nashville. And Nashville's a really common place for that. Yeah. Everybody looks one way on the outside and on the inside, they are just dying mm-hmm. because they have no sense of their own worth. Without this other stuff, mm-hmm. I don't know who I am. 
And so it is, it does go back to that idea of value and who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose? Right. And we can only earn so much money and get so many likes and, you know, have so, you know, how many, so many square feet in your house. And then what's the next thing? Right. Right. Because once all that wears off, if I don't have something to fall back on, it's, it's hard. Yeah. What is the the actual work there? I mean, is that then that is a place of spiritual work, and then it's that's, a, that's it, the foundation. Well, it is, is and it it's simple? reparenting too. So when we bring back that reparenting mm-hmm. idea, a lot of that is reminding that little child, like, hey, you are worth more than this home, or you're worth more than this CEO job, or you're worth more, right? And so it's a long process. I mean, obviously we do a lot more work in the sessions and the practice outside of the sessions is reparenting, but it really is going back to that idea of whose job was it to create value in this little kid, Mm -hmm. right? And and when that doesn't happen, this is how we learn to do it, Mm -hmm. right? Get good grades, um, clean our room, make sure we're quiet, whatever it is that we've done to make our parents happy in those moments or make them proud, right? I mean, I grew up in a baseball world. Not, yeah. I didn't grow up in a baseball world, but my kids grew up in a baseball mm-hmm. world. And so I see a lot of that performance-based oh, yeah. approval, yeah. right? And so when you see the long-term effects of that, adults in their 40s and 50s who are at the top, like they should be the happiest they've ever been and they cannot find joy to save their life. Mm. And it's so heartbreaking. It is, it is. It's so heartbreaking. And it's the one normalizing thing, honestly, among people is like, uh, unfortunately, our trauma. Right, right. Right. The thing that keeps us from feeling joy and from feeling a sense of like who we are. Contentment is yes. something we've talked a lot about on here. And yes. I think that the roots of that always are who mm-hmm. God says you are. Yes. And I'm always curious. I've been asked this a lot in mm-hmm. like some interviews I've done about my book and stuff. And so I, I like to ask people now, joy and happiness, what is their relationship to you? I don't think there's any mm-hmm. right answer. I just think it's fascinating yeah. to hear because I think for a while I was, my emphatic answer was they're not the same. Yeah. And I do think fundamentally that's true, but I think I'm curious from a clinical perspective, sure. what's the relationship? Because you can have joy and be very unhappy. Yes. And you can be happy about your life and have no joy. Right. I think if I can come up with like what I what I would see as the difference between the two is happiness almost feels like um I don't want to call it a superficial emotion because I don't think it is, but joy is like you feel it in your body. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's 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 a place that you feel really connected to yourself. And happiness can be like, oh, I'm happy I got to go get a massage Mm -hmm. or I'm happy I got to go have lunch with a friend. But there's a difference between happiness and that temporary feeling Mm -hmm. and the joy that kind of just stays there Yeah, and we can access it whenever we want. I feel like happiness might be more of a fleeting thing Yeah, where joy is more once you have it, it's always there. Yeah. Like once you get it and you find it, you can always access it. I guess that's how I would say it. Yeah. No, I'm really glad to hear you say that. And I love the physical, the whole time you were talking, you had both your hands like on your chest and your abdomen. And I was just thinking about like, when you drink a fresh cup of coffee or like, I love old fashions in the winter, you have the sip of your old fashioned. It's like, you actually feel this through your body. And it, that happiness feels more like, like a, like a, hit and the joy yes. is like an anchor for sure kind of thing yeah and and, and you I'm, said you can always yes. access it which yes. i think that's so the point of this whole show is like mm-hmm. we have agency to choose it yes and as someone who counsels people through that mm-hmm. what what would be i don't even want to say tip but like what would be something you would tell me as this person when you feel yourself slipping into this whatever, shame spiral, guilt spiral for not feeling happy, not feeling good enough. Mm -hmm. What's the trick? Like what's the step to turn your eyes and choose the joy within? Does that make sense? Yes. Like a hat, like how? Yes. Yes. So, you know, I often think about this and I've talked about this on my podcast before, but I think about how Jesus looked at little children you know, and when you really like envision, I don't know, I'm a very visual person. Mm -hmm. And so I just love to like think about 
what that scenario looked like. You know, when he said, let the children come to mm-hmm. me and all the disciples were like, no, 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 we, yeah, we gotta yeah. keep them back here. Yeah. They're dirty or yeah. they're this or they're that. And he just had this like sheer joy to let kids. I could imagine like kids are just crawling all over him and he's just hanging out yeah, with them. They're like snotty. Yes, and, they're like yeah, snotty. They're dirty. Peanut butter in their yes, hands. And, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, let them crawl all over me. I love this. Yeah. That's joy, right? And so when you're when people come in and they've lost that sense of their own inner child, that's where I say the biggest step is connecting back with yeah. that little kid. Because honestly, when when we see little kids, it's hard to not smile. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> even my toughest clients that are like, no, I don't like children. I'm like, now come on. <laughs> you mean to tell yeah, me that this you girl saw with a the little puppy dog? Yes. Yeah, come on. <laughs> you're not going to be like just a tiny little smile and they'll be like, yes, okay, okay. So again, like when you think about that, there's a lot of references in the Bible to children yeah. and joy. And so part of the process is re-engaging with that little girl or boy yeah. that you were and getting a sense of what they felt. Yeah. Right? Getting a sense of like what that was when you were a kid. And we can all experience that yeah. as an adult. Honestly. Like it is there yeah. inside your body. Our first guest was Annie Downs, who yes. I followed for years. And yeah, that's yep. her whole platform is fun. And we talked about why why fun is spiritual. Yes. And that's her whole principle yes. is God can teach you to have fun as an adult if you can look back and realize the things that were fun for you as a kid yes. and that that's actually like serious heart work. Like it part is. of the serious work is don't be so serious. Yes. And have fun the yes. way you used to. Yes. And it sounds simple, but no. It I'll tell you the one the first moment that I ever like and it is so vivid in my brain when I I was on a podcast before encountering you and I worked with Mandisa and when we were filming, we were taking some pictures for everything and she's like I mean, talk about like fun loving. Yes. Holy moly. Like she's, you know. And so at one point we were, they were asking her, where do you want to go take pictures? She's like, oh my gosh, outside, outside would be really amazing. And I was like, okay, I love being outside, you know, like, and so we both had these skirts on and they were wanting to take pictures of us. And she's like, oh. I think we should twirl our skirts. (laughs) And she is, of course, just going full bore. Like, I mean, just having the best time. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is causing me to have a panic attack. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know what she's doing right now, but this Um, feels real dangerous. And that sounds funny. But at the end of the day, I really sat with myself. I was like, I couldn't even twirl my skirt. Yeah. And it was that idea mm. of like how my personal trauma story got in the way of me even feeling free enough to in that moment as a grown adult, yeah, just have fun. Yeah. And so, yes, I agree with like, you know, talking about Annie and I love uh-huh. her platform. It's so great. But what keeps us from being able to do that right. is a lot of times the deeper work. Yeah, wow. It all comes back to that. It does. Ugh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Should we get some like hula skirts? I, I know, like I know. Vibe right now. Believe me, since then I've learned. <laughs> You've twirled. I am like playing yeah, and having fun so, like nobody uh, else. <laughs> that's so good. That's so good. I I have always my friends kind of joke with me, but now that I'm getting remarried again, yes. and I there's so much there's so much at the heart of who both these men are that are the same yes. because that's you love who you love and mm-hmm. they have plenty of differences as well and they're beautiful but it, they make fun of me they're like you always go for the second kid like you always go for the <laughs> playful one the loud that's, one like the prankster like the and yes. because I, I had a tendency to be a little bit more of a serious mm-hmm. kid and I think yes. Ben and Connor in their own ways have continue to wake that up yes. in me and it's awesome oh yeah like it's awesome it's so fun so don't keep being the fun people it's not yes. immature most of no. the time <laughs> my middle son is like that yeah. too like He's, my oldest that's the one my I youngest, would pick. Yeah. super serious but my my middle one man yeah. we have the best time life like, party oh yes it's yeah, so fun. fun okay yeah last scenario okay is sort of in between so like these are the people who god bless all my friends you've been there toddlers mm-hmm. infants oh yeah that phase or like on the other end of the spectrum maybe retired people caring mm-hmm. for elderly parents is just yes. so taxing and even people you know late 20s early 30s like grinding in this so-so job that yes. I thought I'd be building a life with someone else you know it's just those groundhog day kind yes. of seasons of life and it's like god where is the joy here and then if you even have time to create space for joy 
There's right. guilt that goes along with that, yes. right? So yes. to me, I guess my question is, you know, what does joy in the monotony mm-hmm. look like? And are boundaries different when you're a caregiver kind yes. of thing? I mean, boundaries are different and it is hard, you know? I mean, people who are in the thick of raising young children or again, people that are caring for elderly parents, it's really hard. And some of that is knowing that if I feel bad about it, I mean, I can't tell you how many times people are like, I feel like the worst mom ever because I am miserable. And I'm like, I feel that. Yeah. It's hard. Or caring for aging parents. It's hard. It's hard to see your parents age. It's hard to see them. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to watch them die. I mean, it's hard to do all that. So I think first off, you know, just again, normalizing and connecting, right? Because every, I'll tell you, almost every parent who feels bad about not enjoying parts of child rearing, I'm like, you know, that's normal, right? (laughs) And they're like, it is? Yeah. Like, really? Yes. Yes. They think they are the only people that have they ever don't felt. love every second of yes. it. Yes. Yes. And you're always in line at the grocery store beside some old person who's like, yeah. joy every second. Yeah, right. And I'm like, why? Not, not, no. Not helpful. <laughs> not helpful at all. Yeah. But, you know, that just the acknowledgement of it's it's not supposed to always be that way, mm-hmm. right? Like there are going to be days when all you can do is cry. Yeah. And that's okay. But also, I think what I notice the most about those phases of life are its loneliness. Mm, Yeah. This immense loneliness. Number one, that I'm the only person that feels like this is a big thing, right? Whether it's being in a dead-end job or, again, raising children, taking care of aging parents, all those things, people feel really lonely in it. And so even just connecting, I mean, even for us in the counseling world, like, Sometimes that's where I'll share a little bit of my own stuff is just that reality of, Mm -hmm. hey, some of this is just super normal and you're okay for feeling like you just don't want to do it anymore today, (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's okay. And then connecting, you know? I mean, I think that's a big piece of either, (laughs) you know, kind of the monotony of every day. What brings me joy is my connections, Mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, with a friend or, I don't know. I mean, just even spiritually, like connecting with God, connecting with yourself, wherever you can just get some kind of connection Mm -hmm. or self-care. I mean, that's another big thing too. Um, And that's where we can connect with ourselves too. A lot of people think self-care is like, oh, I go get a pedicure. Right. Mm, Not so much. Yeah. That's a great thing to do, but yeah, it's not... That's not at all what self-care is. Self-care really is connecting back to self mm-hmm. and knowing what do I need? Mm-hmm. Do I need connection right now? Do I need quiet? Do I need mm-hmm. stillness? Do I need, you know, just really being aware of yourself. So it's more moments. like, I love this because self-care, like what a buzzword. If for a good reason. Yes. You define it more as it sounds like more of an inventory. Yes. Than an escape. Yes. And I've never thought about it that way. Yes. So the answer to what do I need might be a pedicure. Yep. Because you might want physical touch that's yep. not your children. Exactly. Or you might need to physically, like your body may be reacting yes. to whatever you're going through. Yep. But it starts with those questions. Yes. It's always to turn the lens back in, onto yourself. Mm. You know, much like, again, to go back to the reparenting, right? If if you're around a child and they're yelling or they're sad or whatever it is, the parent comes alongside and is like, hey, what's going on? What do you need? Mm-hmm. Right now, the child might be like, I'm hungry. I want an Oreo. Yeah. Right. Okay. You know, (laughs) great. Sure. But also, there's legitimate reasons why they might be sad. Mm -hmm. Right. And that is the same for us as adults. There's legitimate reasons why we might be in a funk, Mm -hmm. why we might be having a rough day. And until you can go back and actually look at what it is that I need. If you don't need physical touch, a pedicure is not really going to do anything. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> if you really need time alone, a pedicure is going to be the worst thing yeah, you could do. Exactly, that's so funny. <laughs> you know, so yeah. you're right. Like taking inventory is is really where self care comes. Yeah, from. that's such a powerful way to kind of flip the script on. Yeah, it. Mm-hmm. yeah. Because I think of it, and I think sort of escape, and maybe that is the need sometimes. Sometimes it is. I mean, again, when you think about. Caretakers, Mm -hmm. for example, they really do need to get away sometimes, and that's okay. I will say, you know, even for me, as I've gotten better about self-care, it's hard because you feel guilty. When you're doing real good self-care, 
It's like one of those things where my trauma tells me, oh, you shouldn't be doing that because you're actually taking care of yourself. Uh-huh. But, you know, even this weekend, I'm I'm going away with a friend and we're just going out to the mountains and oh, we're not it. doing anything. We're just going to breathe. And yeah. she's a my best friend, but she's a counselor mm-hmm. too. And we do a lot of trauma work. And so self-care for us is getting away yeah. because we each have our own lives. I've got three kids and a husband and she's got her own life. And so yeah. it's just, it is getting away, but there's a difference between running away and escaping mm. and actually doing what you need. And retreating. Which, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Where are y'all going? We are actually going to LJ, which oh, is in Georgia. Yeah. Cool. It's near Blue Ridge. Yeah. Beautiful. So we're probably going to do some hiking. Oh, that would be awesome. Breathe and see some... <laughs> I just always need to get into nature. Listen, that was... I was always like an outdoor person. Yes. Like my first husband was a big hunter. So mm-hmm. it was in that world. And I always yeah. play sports. Like I love to be outside. Okay. I did not realize how healing and how powerful uh-huh. nature is, especially in the, the worst grief moments. Cause oh, it's like sure. when you can't sing, when you can't go to church, when you can't pray, it's when you mm-hmm. really, I re- just so profoundly remember seeing the ocean sure is always, you know, yeah. powerful and yeah. magnetic. And mm-hmm. but seeing flowers and seeing everything, actually looking around and being like, if if God is this powerful and attentive yes. to the world, mm-hmm. like how freaking powerful and attentive is he to me right now? Yes. Even though I don't really feel it, quote yes. unquote. And just I mean, it just changed the whole way that I engage with yes. him and the world. I mean, it's yes. so simple, but man, it's powerful. Go outside. It is. Can. I mean, seriously. It's maybe warm when we're listening yes. to this. So. It, is uh, un- it is kind of warm outside today, yeah. which I'm like, oh, this turtleneck was <laughs> really know, not a smart idea today. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you are just a joy, Thank to use you. our favorite word. And just I Thank feel like you. we've been so encouraged. And I think every single person probably feels less lonely in whatever they're in right now, which yeah, is the, so. totally the goal. It really is. So I'm so glad to get to know you. And everybody go follow Laura. You're on Instagram. Yes. Facebook. You've very thorough website. I've read it all. Thank you. Encountering yes. You podcast. Yes. And you are, is your practice, I mean, you have room for new clients. Yes, if people we do. are in need. And yes. y'all are in Brentwood. Yes. Be found counseling. Right off of 65. So it's very, I love uh, it. yeah, it's really accessible, which um, we're excited about. And the way we always like to end the show is what's something bringing you joy right now? Ooh. <laughs> okay, you're, I hope you don't think I'm I'm weird by this, but what brings me joy every day, okay, is I wake up every day and I'm like, the thing that's going to bring me joy is Satan's face when he realizes like I cannot check her off my list. <laughs> I know that sounds really ridiculous. That sounds awesome. But I, so when I was doing my 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 inner child work, my teenager is kind of like Katniss on Hunger Games. Oh my god, she is my favorite. Isn't she the bomb character. Yeah. She's the bomb. Would give a million dollars if I had it to yes. have Katniss Everdeen on the show. Yes. In case oh you're listening, gosh. In Jennifer case you're Lawrence. listening, come on in. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's her. Yeah. Like, she's just feisty and out for, you know, just like a battle. Yeah. And like, she's a warrior. Yeah. And she's put up with a lot. And so like at the end of the day, if I'm like, yes, I have kicked Satan's yeah. ass today. Yes. Isn't that That the goal? is like, it just, I don't know. I just had to start to live like no, that it's so, so cohesive it goes perfectly with your lion yes, walkout song yes exactly uh, exactly well so katniss everdeen thank you for being with us today <laughs> it has been a pleasure Glad i could bless, um, bless you with we're my gonna presence. go do a little archery lesson after this oh i could derail so fast on hunger games <laughs> i don't think i could hit a target <laughs> i don't just think i could say that out loud <laughs> oh man laura you're the best i really thank appreciate you. this your was time so much fun and your heart yeah go oh, likewise go follow her people thank you <laughs> This show is produced and edited by Elizabeth Evans Media Productions. Hey, y'all, if you're loving the show, go find that little follow button or plus sign on your podcast app. This will ensure you don't miss a single episode. See you next time.